And welcome to Radio MVP, episode 34 of the Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Consonenza, along with Anthony Kepley. And you can find us on the internet, obviously, at RadioMVP.com and on Twitter at The Real Radio MVP. And you can find us also on Facebook and just do Facebook slash Radio MVP pod and you'll find us there. So with that little introduction, let me say hi to our baseball traveling guru, Anthony Kepler, who's fresh from Arizona in the sun and baseball. How you doing, my friend? Awesome. It's uh, I mean, it's thanks getting back to 30 degrees and snow after you've been dealing with uh, 80s and sun the whole time. But you know what? It's uh, nice to have baseball less than three weeks away. Official baseball. Yes, not- you know, we were planning on to try to get a couple of them in, either when you were out there before you left, but unfortunately, this just timing yeah, with everything going on was not possible. I mean, with your traveling and your schedule out there, plus uh, me in the middle of basketball playoffs for Newcastle and everything else going on, it was kind of difficult. So that's why we've had this uh, about three, three and a half week delay from our last uh, podcast. But we're going to get back into the swings of things and try to at least get one each week out if we can a couple times a week as we move forward into really a fun part of the year because yeah. obviously we got baseball in spring training and we're going to get a talk about about that with you here in a few minutes. Uh, we got the NCAA tournament going on. There's so much going on in the world of sports right now. Obviously what the Cleveland Browns have done and uh, your Broncos now you know being talks as we get into free agency, a huge term. Um, for what's going on for all these teams right now as uh, the Kirk Cousin uh, raffle has begun. Yes. And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that that lottery ball picks out, see if those six numbers uh, falls uh, a team's <laughs> way here and see who lands him. Uh, obviously, the lottery is for him at $30 million a year, most likely, or in that range, probably 27 to $30 million. Uh, I never care about what a player makes, but – Oh yeah, he's gonna break the bank, as the saying goes. Yeah, he will. It's uh, you know, I I read today he wrote a letter to the Redskins organization, just thanking them for everything and uh, giving him his initial shot. And then at the bottom, he tagged two teams, the Jets and the Vikings. If that's his two choices, he wants to you know look at. I know he said that he's going to take at least two or three visits, so he doesn't end up in a Brock Osweiler situation where. A team gives him a lot of money, and he's in a terrible fit. So, um, so he'll be taking a couple of visits, and that starts today. The legal tampering period started today, and you can start signing on the fourteenth. So uh, I love that term, legal yeah, tampering. Legal tampering. This <laughs> <laughs> is like like anyone's ever paid attention to that. Leave it up to yeah. the NFL to create a legal tampering period, right? I mean, for I God's sake. It is. This is the most hysterical name for free agency I ever heard in my life, uh, and, and a lot of teams making making huge moves. Obviously, the Browns making huge news this week with uh, four trades, uh, landing a quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Obviously, getting uh, Jarvis Landry from Miami and a quarterback uh, Randall from Green Bay, all in trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaiser going out to Green Bay. Uh, obviously, draft picks going to Buffalo for the uh, trade, you know, for Tyrod. And then you look at the scenario where the Browns were able to get, you know, 
Landry, who actually is a, is a great get. I mean, what what a get for the get for the Browns right there uh, for a wideout to go, you know, to pair him up, you know, with potentially Tyrod and that. So we'll have to wait and see long term how that works out. And of course, they uh, made the right move and moving Danny Shelton, who didn't fit the uh, the scheme the Browns were going to play in, and and moved him over to uh, New England. And you know, uh, Bill Belichick will get the most out of him as they move forward. So. And uh, quick thoughts processes. Uh, probably most people know I'm not a huge Tyrod Taylor fan, but I will say this: uh, this is what I like most about him is he's an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you know how much I've talked about that in the last year or so that the Browns just did not have an NFL quarterback, and we're going for maybe a top forty quarterback in the NFL, which Kaiser was probably around number fortieth. You know, there were some backups that were better than him. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, you're getting a quarterback who's probably in the top 20. And if you really want to be realistically, maybe 13 through 20, you know, on any given week. And uh, that's a huge improvement. Do I think he's the answer? No, but I do believe it's the correct move. He needed a veteran. I've been talking about it forever. I'm glad to see them make the move. Is he the best quarterback available? Mm, you can make a lot of – lot of, uh arguments against and for Tyrod Taylor, but uh, in in the fantasy world, people call him Ty God because of what he does on the, uh, on the field. So we'll see how he does. I think it's, it's, it makes sense to bring in a quarterback who, uh, who has experience, who's, you know, obviously a little small for the AFC North, but we'll just wait and see how that works out. And this, if anything, it tells me that the number one pick and this year's draft will be a quarterback. And most likely, and I'm hoping for uh, Sam Darnold. That is my choice right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they choose not to go quarterback number one overall, which would shock me and I think would be a mistake, and wait to the fourth pick, my next choice would be Allen. I just love that big arm and the statue at 6'5 and what he can do. And if you look at it as a long-term project, it makes a lot of sense. And God forbid they don't take a quarterback in the first two picks in the top four and they pass and go down, you know, and end up with uh, who knows who, but uh, they just, I can't see in any God's given green earth that the Browns pass on a quarterback a third year in a row, just, and especially when you have a, a professional like Dorsey at the helm who last year traded for Mahomes, uh, you know, when he was still running Kansas city. So I just, I honestly don't see how he can possibly, yeah, not go quarterback number one. It's just it's too important. He's the most important player. You have now a quarterback to bridge you to that next quarterback, so he doesn't have to come in and start right away. To me, it's just it's obviously the correct choice. And you know, if the if the Browns make a move to move up to two or three, then you can make it make a decision that you're willing to go with a different quarterback than Sam Donald. And and I can live with that too if that's the case. But Staying at four, I wouldn't want to wait till four to pick my quarterback. I'd take my number one. Yeah, it's uh, probably the first time in years the Browns have a quarterback where they don't have to start a rookie right away. And that's what they've needed for years. Is Tyrod the best quarterback they could have got? I mean, no, probably not. But he's a veteran guy that – has had some success. He went to the playoffs this year, whether you like his stats or not. We, we, you, you know, he may not always be the prettiest, but he wins. Um, I love the move for Jarvis Landry. 
I think uh, Landry Fisty style of Taylor, uh, short, short dump it off as that that can that has breakaway speed, and then you pair him with a Josh Gordon on the other side, and Landry has not played with a receiver like Josh Gordon yet in his career, so that's going to take some pressure off Landry and Taylor. So Taylor stepping into a nice spot where he's got two proven NFL receivers that can be game breakers. Uh, on any other team, Landry and Gordon are number one receivers. So that's that's nice to have. Uh, you always need cornerback help and a secondary help, and the Browns got that in the trade with Green Bay for Randall. They, I think the Browns fleeced everybody. I mean, they absolutely fleeced everybody. They got a good deal for Tyrod Taylor. I think they got a great deal for uh, trading Kaiser. And Shelton, like you said, it didn't. It, it just wasn't fitting. And they sent him to New England. Shelton would probably be a really good player in New England now with Bill Belichick. Uh, they get draft picks back for that. So the Browns are making a lot of smart, fundamental moves. And now it's just up to drafting well and uh, developing the guys well. Well, yeah. And I look at it this way. They had 12 picks before these trades. You don't mm-hmm. need 12 picks. No. We've seen the last two years when the Browns drafted, and I think 13 two years ago, 12 mm-hmm. last year. And, you're not going to find – you just can't be that young in the NFL. It no. just doesn't work. So they had they had the surpluses of a, of picks to use, and I thought Dorsey did a great job moving things around. I don't think giving up a third-round pick, yes, this is the number 65 overall, but I really am not concerned about that when you have the abundance of picks that the Browns had coming into this draft. You have a surplus. You have some, some – equity in that you might as well use it and uh you know they did it look uh smith was traded you know before the browns could make an offer in a sense you know with kansas city i'm not sure they were ever going to make that offer but everyone thought there was a great chance because dorsey is the one who traded for you know smith when he was at san francisco and uh you know he ends up in washington which of course leaves uh kirk cousin as we mentioned earlier without a team kirk cousin uh, very well can land in Denver, and this is going to be very interesting to see how Denver reacts to this uh, free agency. They're mm-hmm. going to land a quarterback. The question is who? You know, is it the first choice? Is it a second choice? Is it a third choice? And I'm, I'm, my, my, my mind says their first choice is cousin. Their second choice is Kim, and then the third choice would be one of the other quarterbacks uh, from Minnesota, like a Bradford or something like that, because. I can't imagine Elway going another year without a bona fide NFL starting quarterback. Uh, we've seen the years where they haven't had a quarterback and they've not been good. No. And when they do have a quarterback, they're usually a uh, a divisional champion or contender and potential Super Bowl contender. So obviously uh, I expect uh, John Elway to make a big splash this coming uh Couple, next week or so, the next few days, to try to land one of these quarterbacks. Who it will be, we'll just have to wait and see. I think Cousins got to be number one on his choice, followed by Case Kim. I mean, those two, to me, are the standout players in this year's uh, free agency. Yeah, I'd love to to get uh, Kirk Cousins and obviously Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Von Miller have been openly recruiting uh, Kirk Cousins to come to Denver. I just – Realistically, I think we're getting Case Keenum. We'll get Case Keenum or uh, somebody else. Um, I think that Cousins will either go to Minnesota or the Jets. If I were 
if I were Kirk Cousins, I'd look at Minnesota. You have everything I in place so that you need to be a Super Bowl winner. And that defense is ridiculous. And you got talent around him on offense. Um, and they can add to that to the draft and free agency also. I, I think the Vikings are probably the favorites, excuse me, to land Kirk Cousins, um, followed by the Jets. Um, I'm hoping we get Kirk Cousins, but realistically, I'm looking at Case Keenum as a bridge to a Darnell, a Rosen, an Allen, a Baker Mayfield, or somebody else. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Elway's already started to clear cap space by trading a keep to leave. Um, so that was a move that was – everybody knew that was coming. I like the idea of picking up Sanders and Thomas's option because if you get Kirk Cousins and you get rid of one of those guys or both of those guys, you're basically starting from scratch. You can't lose both those guys. So uh, to pick the options up on those guys is great. And we'll just have to wait and see, and hopefully Elway can woo – uh, Kirk Cousins again to Denver like he has in the past with other uh, quarterbacks. But I do, we, I'm going to make a prediction. I do think we land either Cousins or Keenum. I think those are the two leading contenders. There's no question about it. I think the other team who definitely has an opportunity to make a splash that we haven't talked about is the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Wow. I think they absolutely could land either of those two quarterbacks and they might end up with Bradford too. So, but which wouldn't be a bad think, option. No, exactly. And I think Bradford's number three on most teams' list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, question mark with Bradford is the injury, basically his health, and exactly, and how much, how long can can he continue to play? You know, going forward, and you know, is he a bridge uh, player for a team? So. It's going to be interesting. Obviously, Buffalo's now in play. When they traded Tyrod, they're going to need a quarterback. They're going to make a play, I'm sure, for some of these quarterbacks too. Uh, I think there's four or five teams really in legitimate need of uh, two quarterbacks that are available at the highest level, and I'm talking about Case Keenum and and Kirk Cousin. And we're going to have, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out. And you're going to remember uh, Minnesota's in that in that same breath because they you know obviously been rumored for Kirk Cousin and they're going to try to keep you know probably one of these three quarterbacks that they have um you know obviously Bridgewater could land somewhere too so you know there's there's a lot of potential there it's going to be interesting to see how Minnesota handles this all going forward Uh, I'm not going to procrastinate about everything and and try to predict what's going to happen I'm just I think there's a lot of great scenarios to uh, go forward and uh, now that the Browns have found their bridge quarterback or the quarterback for now, uh, you know, that definitely changes the whole atmosphere. That's one less uh, team. And I think the Browns recognize the fact that they weren't going to land a free agent. And mm-hmm. I honestly believe that's, you know, they had the equity to, to make trades. And I think that's what they're going to continue to do. There's rumors, that, you know, that uh, Coleman, the wide receiver, will be traded this week and a few other people. And uh, they're going to go after, you know, a, a couple wide receivers in a free agency. And we'll have to wait and see. I think I don't think the Browns have made bad moves. I think they've actually made pretty quality moves. moves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, put it this way. I don't think – I think the year of, of being 0-16 and 115 should be oh. behind them. Yeah, they should be behind them. And quite honest with you, uh, we talked about this last year. 
I, and I kept saying it, you know, if they had a veteran quarterback last year, they probably win three or four games minimum. And there were games that were winnable that they just did not have the leadership at that position to get it done. And, you know, and it's nothing against Kaiser long-term. He may turn out to be a decent quarterback. He may not, you know, time will tell. Uh, I think going to green Bay for him is a great opportunity because he gets to be behind, you know, uh, one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, and that, and that in itself should make a, a huge difference for him as he gets to watch, you know, that every day in practice. Yeah, it's um, it's obviously a win-win for the Browns and Packers, I believe. Uh, Kaiser can finally learn behind arguably who many people say the best quarterback in the NFL is right now. Uh, he's obviously a top five quarterback, whatever, you know, how you rank him or how, you know. Um, and he's in a good situation. He doesn't have to play this year. He doesn't have to play now. He doesn't have to play for the the foreseeable future. And there's growth with him. And obviously the Packers have had a good a good track record of developing quarterbacks, uh, young quarterbacks. And, you know, we'll just have to see how he pans out. But I think he's in a really good spot. Uh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is just going to, you know, you know, talk about another guy's about to break the bank. Uh, once because yeah. uh, of science, he's going to get an extension and he'll become the the leading uh, moneymaker in the NFL again. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is actually, I think, you know, the person here who has to be frustrated, it got to be Hunley, who replaced them yeah. last year when he got injured. And uh, Hunley actually beat the, the Browns last year with Kaiser against them. And now Kaiser's coming for his job. So it should be interesting to see. They may keep all three quarterbacks. You never know. Uh, you know, maybe Kaiser's the number three guy there. Who knows long-term, but, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is is in great position again, and that's not a surprise. He seems to always land on his feet no matter what he does. And he's, what, like you said, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, period. Yep. I mean, there's Tom Brady and there's Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers. and then there's everybody else, yep. you know, and that's basically, I think, how most people look at it. Yeah. So that's our little NFL talk here. Let's, let's not get too far into that. There's a lot more to get into there down in time. But – I want to talk about you going out to Arizona. Yep. Just talk about the experience. This is the first time you've gone to spring training, correct? Yes. Yeah, it's the first time I've been in spring training. Uh, you know, my aunt and I were just talking in, in January, just, you know, wishing it were baseball season because she's a big Indians fan. She used to work for the Indians and uh, the Detroit Tigers, but she's been an Indian fan since long, long before I was a thought. Um, and we decided, you know what, let's go to spring training. and then. You know, some things going around at work. I could switch my vacation, move it up. And uh, this was actually her retirement gift. Uh, the day we left was her first day of our retirement. So, um, yeah, we hopped on a plane to Arizona and saw six games in six days and just absolutely had a ball. Um, it's really neat seeing the young kids. I know a lot of people go, oh, spring training, it's all minor league. But for a diehard fan like us, it's neat seeing the young kids. Because when you're an Indians fan, you're a small market team. Those are the guys who are going to help you in three or four years, uh, uh, five years. I tell you what, thank I, – I, how do I put this nicely? I was so glad when Jonathan Lucroy said, I don't want to come to Cleveland. Because, A, we got, <laughs> we got two better catchers than you'll ever dream of being, Lucroy. And, B, we held on to Francisco Mejia. And we've always heard how good this kid is. He's going to be a stud. He, sh he is 
his bat's major league ready. His bat is major league ready. Um, you know what? What can you really tell from spring training? Not much. It's like Tito said: the the Twins and Royals aren't going to care how many home runs Mejia and Kipnis are hitting right now in June and July when we face them because it doesn't matter. It's just nice to have baseball back. It's nice to uh, watch baseball. But I tell you what, that chip Jason Kipnis was talking about having, it's back, and it's a Grand Canyon-sized boulder on his back. And I have been a self-proclaimed uh, Jason Kipnis hater. I have said it for a couple of years. I wouldn't mind if we move on from him. He's swinging the bat really nice. I mean, really nicely. Uh, he's going to right and right center. Um, he's going to left field. Uh, he's hitting the ball really well. I tell you another guy that not a lot of people are talking about, uh, but Yonder Alonso is phenomenal. He, we always knew he played a good first base, uh, but his retold swing looks nice. He's going back up the middle. Uh, he's in fire. He, he had one home run against the Dodgers on Thursday night where he smacked an 0-1 pitch to straightaway center, banged off the green wall of the green batter's eye they got out there. It's measured at 4-10. If that wall is not there, it's going 4-30, He absolutely annihilated it. Uh, he swung the bat really well. Um, Gomes and Perez are being Gomes and Perez. Kluber, is, he's October ready. He has that stoic look. The only one that really struggled was Bauer. But then again, what you know, he's trying a new pitch. So that's probably what he threw most of. Um, but we're deep. I like Upton and Davis, and I wouldn't be surprised if both of them make the team because I don't I don't think Geyer and Brantley will be ready for opening day. I for sure don't think Brantley will be ready just because we want to take it slow with him. Um, Davis can still fly. And Upton has swung a nice bat the past couple games. Um, Miller and Allen, they're ready. I tell you who, who looked really good is uh, Mike Clevenger. The movement on his pitches and the way he hit every location. I mean, pinpoint Kluber location almost, where he was dotting the strike zone up, down, inside out. Looked really good uh, using his assortment of pitches. Um, it's, um, it, you know, it's. It's nonsense to say, oh, we're going to win the World Series and we're going to win this many games because you can't tell anything from spring training. I mean, for God's sake, the Miami Marlins are like 10 and 5 in spring training. So uh, we're going to be fun to watch, though. It's a, it's a good team. Uh, the whole Edwin Encarnacion gets off the slow starts thing, that's true. That is true. I'm telling you right now, he's not going to hit till June because he looked terrible this week. I saw him. That's just the Eddie he is. But we look up in June, he's going to have 15, 20 bombs. It's just, you know, that's the way it's going to go. Um, but the impression I came away saying to my aunt, boy, I'm glad we didn't trade for Jonathan Lucroy. I am really glad we didn't trade for Jonathan Lucroy because we got a stud in Mejia. You know what? I understood the thought process when that, when that when trade it, went down. Yes. You know, and, and you're going for the World Series. And yeah. You had injuries at that position, and he was available. Yeah, you had to give up a lot for him. And um, sometimes, you know, some of the best trades you make are the ones you don't make. And that's just one of those scenarios where things didn't work out. And the Indians, you know, 
ended up, you know, keeping some of their your, their younger guys, and it worked out, like you said, Mejia, mm-hmm. and you know, yep. the Indians have long term plans for him, and that's you know. I remember when that happened, and the first thing they told him was, you got to look at it this way as other teams want you. That's a yep. wonderful thought process, yep. and you move for- forward from there. And I think he's handled it well. Uh, I'm very interested to hear that they're going to put him in the outfield at times yes. down at uh, Columbus this year to try to get more vis- versatility out of him and mm-hmm. that he can possibly come up sooner and, you know, help, you know, with the, uh, the major league club. Look, is there a roadblock? Yes, right now there is. Yep. But, you know, there's also, like you mentioned earlier, uh, opportunities to uh, make trades and uh, move players. Do I know which player is going to be moved? I have no clue. No. And, but we'll just have to wait and see, you know, how the ga- how the season develops, how spring develops. Look, the Indians are going to have to make moves no matter what. They have yep. players who are out of options. Uh, some of these players will be – I don't think they're going to let them go. I think they'll trade them for something. Yep. You know, and, and we'll just have to wait and see exactly what will happen. But they have quite a few players that are, you know, in that round, like a like a Ryan Merritt, for Merritt, example. Yeah. You know, he's he's a player who has value. Exactly mm-hmm. what value that is, we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, I'm not going to hear and tell you, oh, they're going to get such and such for him. Uh, they'll probably get, you know, a, a decent prospect back. And, you know, it's for a team that needs a – a, a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher, a left-handed pitcher. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those things come in into process. So we'll just have to wait and see, you know, how the tribe goes forward. But yeah, spring training is unique. I almost went years ago when they were down in Florida. I was down there uh, the year that the unfortunate, they had the boating accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went down for, uh, with some friends of mine and we were going to drive over that, that next morning when uh, actually that happened. And we got a, a fr- friend of mine from uh, up here in, uh, in Ohio called me to hear the news. Mm-hmm. And that's how I found out about the boating accident and obviously the cancellation of uh, spring training at that point and where they postponed some games and all that. So I never did a chance, but uh, it would have been fun. I think spring training is a great time of the year. Uh, you get to get up close with players. You had a great pitcher with uh, Tito Francona. Tell me how that happened. Yeah, he was uh... – well, my aunt had to get a picture signed uh, by Frankie Lindor uh, for uh, one of her friends. And Brad Mills, San- or Millsy, I think Sandy Alomar and Tito were all driving on a Gator. Well, and Tito gets off and starts signing autographs. And he came over and said, hey, Tito, can I get a picture? He goes, sure. And we both were picture. I just said, you know, uh, good luck this year and let's go win the whole thing. And he said, that's a goal. Uh, really nice guy. He took time for all the fans before and after the game. Um, the one thing that struck out to me, we have a lot of guys that are really good baseball players. I, our roster, top to bottom, really good. We have really good people on our team, too. I mean, just people that love each other, love the game of baseball. Uh, the joy Frankie Lindor has playing the games, it's just incredible. At one point, he had a home run one of his three or four home runs he hit this week and he missed first base. And that's because Carlos Baerga was teasing him. So he runs back and uh, tags back and has some fun with that. It's, it's a good time to see a lot of cool stories. You normally don't hear about, uh, we got a pitcher in uh, camp who's battling for Ross spot. He may not make it. Evan Marshall, who a couple years ago was struck in the head by a line drive and had internal bleeding in the brain. 
and had emergency surgery. And now less than uh, three years later, he's back throwing 93-94. He's looked good. I mean, he's looked really good. Uh, so that's kind of the cool stories you hear about in spring training. Uh, just, you know, you latch on to them. Um, you know, but oh, yeah. it's, it's a yeah, great it's time just really here. cool. Yeah. The, you know, Tito made time for all the fans and posed for picture and signed autographs. And, uh, and the picture my aunt had of Frankie was probably two or three years old. And as soon as Frankie saw it, he lit up and he, he said, I remember that. Now, I mean, this was three or four years ago and he's, you know, and, yeah. and it's really cool that he remembers that and uh, took the time and all that. And um, we, we got a lot of good guys in the team. Well, hopefully in the future, uh, maybe we'll uh, make that trip out together and really have a nice week. It's an expensive uh, trip, it, but it's and worth it. Is, it. And it's it probably worth so every, worth every penny. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to go uh, years ago when they were uh, before the Florida days. They were out in Arizona, and I used to be a kid listening to the radio, and uh, they used to have spring training reports. And I just so wanted to be there. I got my my, uh, my blood growing to be a, uh, a get into sports yeah. radio back in the day. Uh, but oh yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's a great time of the year. Everyone is uh, has you know stars in the eyes, and, and yep. they're just excited for the season. And uh, next time you uh, ever have that opportunity, and there's uh, and there's uh, Terry Francona, you want to go on his good side. Start talking yes. about Arizona Wildcats basketball. Yes, yes. Even though they're yes. having their their yes. issues this year, he, he is a huge Wildcat. Big time Wildcat. He is a Wildcat. Yes, he, he was is. actually a number one pick coming out of Arizona back in the day. So. You know, he loves his wild. It's interesting to see how him and uh, Kipnis get along with uh, with Kipnis's uh, Sun Devils finally back in tournament this year. Um, yeah, I tell you, what, speaking about Arizona, everybody down there is just so nice. It, it it's like they genuinely love everybody coming to their state. It's like a big showcase to them. And while spring training may be the the monotonous doldrum for the uh, Grizzly veterans, the managers the people in Arizona are just so friendly and welcoming and accommodating and they love it. They just love you being there. And it's a big showcase for them. And uh, just, uh, I can't say enough about the, uh, the really nice people we ran into in Arizona. I mean, from the airport to the restaurants, to the hotel, just really nice people that loved, loved having us there. Um, well, you know, this is a big part of their tourism. Yeah. Obviously, you know, spring training has always been, I mean, for years, they never had professional sports out there. All they had was, you know, Air, you know, Arizona Wildcats and, and the Sun Devils from Arizona, Arizona uh -huh. State. Uh, and now, you know, you look at Arizona, they have, you know, they always had the Phoenix Suns, but that was it. They never yeah. really had any other professional team. And now, of course, obviously they have, you know, the baseball team and the hockey team mm -hmm. and the football team. I mean, it's a totally different world than it was 25, 30 years ago for them or even 30 or 40 years ago. But yeah, spring training is always, it's kind of like Florida. Uh, you know, it was funny many years ago. I used to read, I read a, a baseball book by, uh, Oh God, what was, he was the umpire, Ron, uh, I want to say Marcia. Uh, who Ron Culpa? No, it was, he was from the seventies. Anyway, he's a big guy. You know, he was a funny guy. And, uh, uh I can't think of his name top of my head. Anyways. Uh, he used to tell a story how he used to always try uh, when it was come time for uh, 
umpire's assignments for spring training, he would always say, oh, I want to go to Florida. I want to go to Florida. And he says, I did that on purpose because I was always on the bad side of the uh, of the AL League um, mm-hmm. uh, president. And he goes, and I always got sent to Arizona where I wanted to be. <laughs> I, always got, I always got sent to Arizona where I wanted to be. I tell yeah, you what. Because they're like, oh, yeah, you got to send me to Florida, da, da, da. And, and that's where he spent most of his time. He didn't want to deal with them. So he sent them to Arizona. And it, it worked. It, we always said it worked out perfectly. Uh, God, I can't think of his name. But one of the funniest, it's a great book that was written back in the 80s. Uh, he empired in the 70s for about 10, 12 years. I, 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 I'm blanking on his name. I want to say Ron. Uh, oh, boy, I'll have to look for it. Maybe I'll, I'll tweet it out if I uh, find it. But uh, a truly a, a character in, in baseball. He used to actually get players used to get upset with the managers. He used to have big, big, big arguments with uh, with Earl uh, from uh, from Baltimore uh, back in the days. And then big Earl Weaver, yeah. Earl Weaver, exactly. And uh, matter of fact, he used to kind of, wind up and, 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 and call you out and stuff like that. Uh, he had big, Oh yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he was one of the old time characters in baseball. Uh, you don't see that anymore. They're all more, uh, robotic and more, uh, uh, you know, professional in a sense. But, uh, he used to say, you know, I remember in his book, he says, well, we're, you know, when you're at third base, you don't get a lot of action. So when you do, you want to make the play, you want to make it mm-hmm. exciting, you know, and he would, you know, kind of, you know, wind his hand up and, and, and knock, you know, <laughs> kind of throw it, throw, throw the out, you know, or, or he would do the, the safe sign like three, four times in a row and, and stuff like that. So he was a, he was a character. I, I, God, I can't, it's an Italian name. I'm pretty sure, but I can't remember the top of my head. I'll have to look that up. I'll have to tweet that out for our listeners. Uh, once I uh, figure out, remember his name, but it was uh, one of my favorite books when I was uh, a young teenager, just li- li- uh, cause it was such a fun thing. Um, cause, uh, umpires, you know, they have become robotic. They're a part of the game and they should be, have some personality. I'm not saying you should overlook the players, but they wouldn't be a bad thing to have a little more personality in the game. Uh, both on the, uh, on the, as on, for players and for the umpires, I don't want them overshadow the game, but mm-hmm. I don't mind seeing a little, um, a little personality oh, yep. once in a while. I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, uh, obviously, baseball's trying to appeal more to uh, younger viewers, uh, obviously, because let's face it, uh, and, you know, as people get older, they, you know, get less interested and move on. And, uh, you know, you have to have that new group of fans coming up. And uh, I hope someday that baseball does implement the pitch clock because it needs to happen uh, to keep the game and the action moving faster. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. I'm I'm not that I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways, but I'm not afraid to make changes to uh, to improve the game, mm-hmm. and we'll see if these new changes help that much. I think it may you know shade a, uh, a minute or two off a game, but I don't think it's going to do more than that. You really want more consistent action in a game. You got to keep ball players in the batter's box and pitchers yep. on the mound throwing pitches, and that's really yep. what it comes down to. And um, once baseball figures that out. And the players accept it. Uh, I think the game will could become a, a, a more of a, a two two hour forty five minute two hour fifty minute game again where where it needs to be. It needs to be under three hours. Let's hope it happens. I really do. Uh, there's nothing worse than a four and a half hour nine inning game that's three to two. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, 
That's the only downside of spring training is the first four or five innings fly by with all the regulars playing. Once the minor leaguers come in, boy, it's like a slow crawl. And it's like, oh. But, hey, maybe there'll be the uh, reintroduction of the bullpen cart will uh, speed things up. As the Diamondbacks are bringing back the bullpen cart. Yeah, and that's the stupidest <laughs> idea I've heard in years. I don't know and they how love that's going to speed there, up the game at all. They love it down there. Oh, my God. Hey, look. It's oh, just a matter of what – here's here's the truth of the matter. And you'll get this. You know darn well that most teams are going to use it for simple yeah. reason. They're going to sponsor it. Yeah, they it's are. It's going to be – yeah, you know darn well when it's, it's going to be you – know, Here comes – exactly. Here yeah. comes – Here comes – Here comes the know, State Farm bullpen Andrew card. Miller, here <laughs> comes Andrew Miller on the, on the uh, Sutton Chevrolet <laughs> bullpen cart. You know, and it's just a matter of time. It will happen. God, I know it will happen. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember seeing those things, and I used to laugh at them. Uh, hey, whatever. The players don't seem hey. to mind it. The the uh, the teams love the idea of it. So bring it back. I don't think it's going to save one ounce. I still, you know, wouldn't you rather have uh, when you had a, 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 you know, your clothes are coming in and you heard, you know, certain theme songs coming in and they're yes. coming running in from the bullpen. Isn't yeah. that more exciting than yeah, yeah, watching them get is. into a cart and ride I in? Mean, you know, what are you going to have? You know, uh, you know, some type of motorcycle song or something? Come on. I mean, come on. Thing. If you had the bullpen cart in the age with Major League, then you're taking away the most exciting part of the movement. Rick Vaughn struts in the wild thing. And then if you exactly. want to go real life, would you rather see John Rocker sprint in like he's gonna, like a linebacker going downhill to make a tackle, or you want to run in exactly. a and rocky like a hurricane plan, yeah. or you know, uh, uh, Rivera coming in, uh, you know, you know to uh, understand, man. Yeah. Come on, I mean that's what it's all about, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I get it. I just don't understand why it. You know, hey. You know, everything comes in cycles, I guess. So we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I'd rather see a pitch clock. I know that uh, it's kind of anti-baseball traditionalist, but you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm more <laughs> ready to move this game forward. No, you know, I've said this many times. As I've, gotten, as I've gotten older, I've let go a lot of little things <laughs> no, I used to say important. No, I'm serious. It's just it's, I want to see the game improve. I want to see more yeah. action in the game. and Look, there's less plays, balls in play today. There's more strikeouts. Yep. And there's nothing worse than waiting five minutes for that player to get strike three or hit the ball in play. Uh, and that's basically where baseball's at today. So let's hope in the long run something happens. I don't know if it will. Uh, maybe in a year or two something will happen or the players will recognize the game has to speed up. And uh, hopefully it will. You know, hopefully it will. Uh, obviously, the NCAAs begin on Thursday. Anthony? Uh, I'm not going to tell you that I filled out a bracket and, and tell you who's going to win because I haven't. I have, but I will tell you, I will do this. The NCAA championship trophy will reside in Ohio this year. Really, in Cincinnati. Really, Musketeers will come through as the uh, University of Xavier is going to come home with the trophy. That's my picture. You know, I haven't looked at a bracket yet. I haven't watched college basketball and probably. Three weeks. I've been so dialed in on baseball. Yes, I've been watching spring training baseball last night. 
I had Sports Time Ohio on watching the Indian Split Squad. I also had the uh, Ready one. I uh, listened to Brewers game. I've been so dialed in on baseball. I, um, but that's a nice pick, though. They they're usually a team that wins in March and surprise some people. And this oh, year, I let, think they got a one seed, here. right? Yeah, they are number ones. Let's have some fun here. Let's have it. Let's have a Xavier versus Duke in the finals. How about this? I think Duke gets beat the first round. They're wow. done in the first round. First uh, round. Iona? They are Iona? done. They are done. They are well, one we'll and done. Wow. One and done. From a Dukey fan like yourself. One and done. They are finished. And don't be surprised if they give up 80 to Iona. Wow. You're sounding like me and the Cavaliers lately. <laughs> Tim, it's gotten to the point. I hope Iona beats us by 30 and we can end the Grayson Allen experiment. Get him out. You Bagley can go to the can go to some obscure destination in the NBA and ride the pond in five years. Just go. I am so over the one and dones. It's it's sickening. It makes the game not fun anymore. Well, you're right about that. I'll say this. I will go even a step further. If the NBA would allow teenagers to go back into the the NBA draft again, it will improve college basketball. I've said this before. I agree. Because those who want to play basketball at the collegiate level and use that as a route to the NBA will stay two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. And in the process, the 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 game will improve versus having these players who are, you know, de facto uh, players, really. I mean, they're not really college students. They're there to get to the N- NBA, and that's just the way it works. Um, the one-and-done rule is just bad for college basketball. It's awful. It's, it's bad it's for the NBA. I understand why the NBA originally did it, because they were trying to, to bridge that gap for the for the collegiate level. Yeah. The same event, it just didn't work out. They're better off. Oh, let's face it. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, uh, you name the players. If you choose to go in the NBA draft, go, go for it. Mm-hmm. Because now they have the D League. So if it doesn't work out, and you don't get drafted, you have an opportunity to go there or overseas to play like the balls did and let, let that happen and, and let them go from there. Uh, and if you want to go to co- the collegiate route, you can do it more like baseball does. Once you sign a letter of intent, you know, you're not av- available again into your junior year. And I think that's fair. And if you would do that in, in the, at the uh, NBA level, that would be great. Let the players enter the NBA draft if they want. And if they don't get drafted, hopefully collegiate basketball will wise up and let them be come back into college. But, you know, it doesn't really matter one way or the other because they're going to play. They're going to find somewhere mm-hmm. to play. If it's not here in the D League, it will be in Europe. Steve Kerr made a good point um, to where the one-and-done rule should not exist. If you want to go straight from the NBA to the pros, go. Um, I agree. For the kids that want to – leave after one year in college, you can put your name in. He said, but if you don't get drafted, you you should be able to return to college and play. Well, that's what it does in baseball. You don't have, as long as you don't have an agent, you can go back to your original, your your collegiate team if you don't get drafted. And, or you turn down their, their offer, which is fair. Mm -hmm. And I would like, you know, use something similar to baseball. It doesn't be exact baseball rules. You know, I think two years at the collegiate level, if you wanted to come out, is fair after your sophomore year. Uh, you know, that's really where I think is the most important. 
for the uh, for uh, the collegiate player who wants to get to the NBA. Because let's face it, that's the goal of all these top players in these top uh, leagues. You know, the top five power leagues. Now we all know only a handful of players every year make it to the NBA. Maybe mm-hmm. about fifty every year between the first and second round. And you know, you got to understand that's not a not a huge number. And those players who want to be collegiate players will become collegiate players and, you know, have a rule where they stay two years before they're eligible for the NBA draft is fair and then move on from there. And those who want to be in the collegiate level or wants to go straight to the NBA can. And like you said, they don't get drafted. They can go back to the collegiate level if they choose, as long as they don't have a agent. Mm -hmm. And you can do it like baseball where you have the agent and shaking hand. He's in the other room negotiating, uh, you know, and you come back and ask him and all that good stuff, you know. And that's the way baseball works. And it's worked well for baseball all these years. Might as well uh, expand it now to the uh, the NBA and maybe someday to the NFL. But I doubt just because the game is so different at the NFL level. But I would definitely say at the NBA level, they should model something similar to what the baseball system is. And they would uh, both the collegiate game and the the NBA would would greatly improve because you're going to get players who are coming out of college more prepared for the NBA. And you're going to get players who are gifted enough to be in the NBA to be ready right away to help. I have a, a uh, mini shocker. Don't be surprised if Virginia get beats really early, really early. I know their defense and all this, but I mean, come on. I mean, Virginia's best win this year is North Carolina in a down year. They don't have that. And it's you got to have that one guard that can go get you 20, 25, 30. And they just don't have it this year. And they don't have a matchup for DeAndre Ayton. Um, if they see Arizona in the Sweet 16, that game might get ugly fast. Might get hey. ugly fast. Hey, don't forget that they could possibly face Virginia Tech in the second round. And that they would be uh, Virginia and that's, that's, play yeah. Creighton Virginia. or Kansas State. Is Virginia, it? Okay. Yeah, Virginia Tech, Alabama. Would, it, that's a good point right there. Alabama, Virginia Tech may not beat Villanova in the second round. They will give them all they want. Uh, oh, yeah. Colin Sexton oh, yeah. will be fun to watch. That's right. I was looking at the Villanova bracket. Vill, uh, Virginia has uh, UMBC. Yep. Uh, that is uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore, Baltimore County, County, making their second appearance in the NCAAs, by the New way. New Mexico State's wow. this week 16. Right. Oh, yeah, they're very good. New they're Mexico better than most State's this week 16. And I got a upset pick, too. The winner oh, of Seton Hall, NC State, is beating Kansas. Once again, wow. Bill Self will lose early, and Jayhawk fans will lose their mind. Lose their collective mind. Seton Hall is a really good team. And NC State has beaten Purdue, Arizona this year, and Carolina. All on the road. So they got a nice little chance to uh, uh, surprise some people. Um, A a former YSU opponent, uh, Loyola Chicago, they might be a trendy Sweet 16 pick also. They got a team that can score the basketball. Uh, they've been battle tested in the Missouri Valley, and who did they play? They play I I don't know. Oh, they play they could they play Miami of Florida, 
and then it could play Tennessee. Okay. I'll, I'll just tell you this. A team that I think can go deep into the tournament. And I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but I mean. Go to the victors. I'm going to say no. Uh, no? I was going to say Nevada. Yes. Eric Nevada Musselman probably, has done a nice job. Yeah, I was going to say, would shock me if if there's a uh, an Elite Eight appearance there? I agree with that. I watched a little bit of Nevada two weeks ago. They got a kid by the name of Cody Martin that can straight fill up uh, the stat sheet quickly. Uh, that's a nice pick. That's a nice yeah. pick. Uh, don't sleep on Davidson against Kentucky. Experience from Davidson. Keep an eye on the LeBray High School product, Peyton Aldridge, who had a dynamite game yesterday against Rhode Island uh, to pull the upset. Uh, Davidson's a savvy veteran team against a bunch of young kids. I think Kentucky's going to overwhelm them with their talent. Uh, but if that game's tight in the second half, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but Davidson is usually good for a first-round upset. It, it, there's them and Xavier. If you pick against them, your bracket's yeah. going to be busted. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? Xavier is a team that has traditionally faltered early lately. Uh, yes. They have never – I think they made one Final Four many years ago, or the Elite Eight. I can't uh, they remember. They lost the Elite Eight once or twice, but they, yeah, they yeah. usually have. So I, I mean, that's that's to me the if they can if they can survive the first two games of this tournament, yeah. I think they have that they'll have that momentum on their side the rest of the way to make the run to the Final Four. They could see and what the heck, you know. If you're making predictions, let's make fun predictions. Even though they're our number one seed, you know, I don't think too many people are picking X to win the whole thing. So I'll take Xavier. Gonzaga matchup in the Sweet 16. How nice would that be? Oh, I mean, that would be, be great. a really good matchup. And you know what? And and, and Gonzaga's good enough. And win it all again and, this year. Exactly. They can, right. they can definitely make that run again. sexy pick, but they're good. Well, um, that's what that game there, what you're talking about in the Sweet 16s with Xavier and Gonzaga could be one of the most important matchups yeah. of this entire bracket. Because the that winner West from that region, the winner yeah. from that game will have probably the best opportunity to get to the final four and then have a chance to uh, win it all. That West region is loaded. Xavier, Gonzaga, Michigan, Carolina. Uh you also have in the West, you have Ohio State's in there. Houston, who's a really good team who Lost the AAC yesterday by a point. Providence and Texas A&M and North Carolina. You got a lot of teams there, and Michigan might be the hottest of them all. Yeah, give them credit and, where credits due. Man, they uh, keep know, winning and winning and winning in March. Bilen has, years. Yeah, oh. has had them playing oh, really man. well. I mean, he has proven his worth the last few years as they, they gotten stronger each year. You know, going into the tournament. So, uh, what they did last. Uh, what, 10 days ago now, winning the Big Ten tournament was huge. So, uh, you know, congrats to them. They earned it. And we'll yep. see where they go, you know. Al, I will say this. There's a lot of things we can talk about. I want to just quickly, before we get off, talk a little bit about my adventures in uh, Western yeah. Pennsylvania and talking about this. Uh, a uh, big-time win. Yeah, I want to say a huge win for Newcastle as they won the WPIL uh, last week. Uh, and they've uh, this past week uh, started the state tournament. Now, I finally figured out how, after all these years of covering <laughs> Western Pennsylvania, I've never quite figured out 
how they work their brackets and how this all works. But it finally, it finally came into picture for me, and I never really asked the question. So it was just, you know, and I've covered it both in District Ten, which is Oil City and Erie and uh, Franklin and those schools out that way in Northwest PA, and now I've been in more Western Pennsylvania, which is towards Pittsburgh, you know, Lawrence County and and Allegheny County and stuff like that. So with the WPIL, what they do is they have two separate tournaments. The WPIL is a championship onto itself, like the District 10 or the District 9. All these regional championships are tournaments onto themselves for their championship. They're not eliminating necessarily teams that get uh, who are who lose in that tournament are still viable for the state tournament. Basically, Wait, what? what they do, yeah. See, here's here's what I'm happened. confused now. Consider, consider it this way: they're two separate tournaments. Okay, the regional tournament mm-hmm. and then the state tournament. Okay, so even if you lost in the regional tournament, for example, the the section four were. Uh, Newcastle won the championship. Okay. They beat Quaker State, the undefeated team, a couple weeks ago and and won the championship. They're just now in the number one seed coming out of the WPIL into the state title. Okay. Okay. What what that means is they were going to take six teams out of WPIL for into the state tournament. So obviously the two final teams are in. And the way they do it then, and then the two semifinal teams that lost are in. Okay. Okay. Okay, so now those four teams are in, and then what they do is they, they call what what is basically called follow the leader. Now, now listen to this. Um, for example, no, no, this, no. Understand how this works because it, it took me a while to figure this out. Newcastle in the quarterfinals defeated South Fayette. Newcastle okay? beat South Fayette. They beat South Fayette. Okay, on their way to winning the WPIL. Yes. Since they went on to win the tournament and they defeated South Fayette, South Fayette South makes Fayette the state tournament it. because they okay. lost to the team that won the championship. So it's like transparency then. Basically. Right. This team beat that team since this team. Okay. And because they actually advanced to the quarterfinals and the team that they lost to went on to win the whole thing, they make the they make it and the same works the other way. For the team uh, that beat either side of the break, the team that lost to Quaker, uh, Quaker Valley okay. made the tournament in the quarterfinals. So if you didn't play the Quaker Valley in the quarterfinals and you lost, your season's now over. Okay, but you know, and that's how that works. They're two separate that's tournaments. They do, yeah, that's really they different. do not, yeah, they're they're not. They use one tournament to to find the six teams that will make it into the state tournament. But they're two separate tournaments. So it's like and a I never quite... tournament to the state tournament. Basically, yes. But so it's it, like a round never... robin proceeding. Almost, basically. Almost. Similar to that, That's but not necessarily. Cool, yeah. So for teams that, like, for example, here's the tough part, in a sense, is, is Newcastle won the WPIL. They were, you know, and mm-hmm. but you're now in a single elimination tournament. All the teams that lost in the WPIL have already had one loss now, and they advanced into the state championship tournament. 
So, and it says they've had a chance to lose two games in, in tournament play. Yeah. While the team that actually wins it will only have one only chance. Have one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a quirky thing, but it's interesting. It took me a long time to figure that out. Because even when I was in covering District 10, I never really paid that close attention how it works. Because each section, or I should each uh, division is different. Uh, some divisions will take more teams than others and vice versa. So, you know, like in District 10, I think they only took two teams out of the one. Uh, I think it was at the time Division 4 or 5 uh, when they were playing. So it it's different today than it was, you know, five years ago. But they now have six uh, championships over there for basketball versus three, what they had like, I think, uh, two, three years ago. So, anyway, same way for football? No. Well, football, no. yeah, basically, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's similar. I'm not saying it's 100%. I don't think they take as many teams into the football pro, uh, football tournament. Uh, they, they may only take four. the champion. They, they take may take champion. four. I think they may take four. So, there's that opportunity where you may not have won your regional championship, but you can win a state championship. An opportunity to win a state championship. Yeah. It's uniquely different. That That's makes all sense. I'm say. That's kind of cool, though. It's a change-up for what we're used to. Yeah, it's different for me, and I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Uh, obviously, so now, you how catch do the me. seedings work, then? Newcastle's well, won? Or no? Newcastle, because they won the WPIL, was seeded one uh, coming out of the WPIL and one bracket. I think they had, you know, what they do is they use four different regions. They combine them together. Okay. And, uh, you know, make one large bracket. And I, I don't have the bracket in front of me, but Needless to say, they play uh, tomorrow night in Aliquippa against okay. South Fayette again. So South Fayette will face uh, have an opportunity to revenge the loss earlier uh, two weeks ago what? to um, to Newcastle. Was that a good game two weeks ago? It was a good game in three quarters. In the fourth quarter, I think uh, Newcastle pulled away. Newcastle really took advantage of the game and ended up winning it. So I think I'm, I'm expecting more of the same. Uh, yeah. However, there's an opportunity for Newcastle and for Quaker Valley to meet for meet the fourth again. time. Yeah, in the state, it could happen. In the state championship, in the state tournament. Well, in the state tournament, you know, as they go there? towards. I'm not. Uh, I think Three? there's at least four four, four? rounds wow. going to the final four, which is held wow. in Hershey. So, okay. yeah, it's going to take a while to get there, but. Uh, there'll be a game Tuesday and Friday. If they uh, Tuesday they win, they'll play again Friday. Yeah, and then I believe the following week would be the championship game. I okay. have to double check, but uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But how about Indiana? So. My friend went to his high school in Myers bathroom this week, and their regionals are played in one day. So if you win, you'll play like the regional semifinal like 10 a.m if you win that then you come back at seven o'clock and play the championship game oh really yeah and and he played it when he was in high school and said he absolutely loved it he said he absolutely loved playing in the morning uh taking a little break coming right back to play a regional championship he said that you didn't have time to just sit around and get tight and nervous all day you just were playing basketball let me find that here. Let me see if I can find that here. Here, I think I just pulled it up here. Let me go to class 4A. Yeah, okay. 
So basically, um, there it is. Newcastle uh, faced uh, Fort LaBeouf in the first round of the mm-hmm. WPI or the state championship tournament. And they defeated uh, Fort LaBeouf uh, last week, uh, last Friday. And tomorrow they will face a South Fayette in the uh, quarterfinals. And then you would have the Greater Johnstown versus Sharon. So it could be Newcastle versus Sharon uh, coming up on Friday night. So okay. talk about a great matchup. Yeah. I've seen Sharon over the years. This is They have a really great program. They're out of District 10. So uh, this should be a really interesting matchup. They've played, I believe, against each other earlier this year in a non-conference matchup. Uh, so it should be really interesting to see how that all works out. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting ball game. Uh, not trying to look past uh, South Fayette, yeah. but it looks like uh, you know Greater uh, Johnstown versus uh, Sharon. So we'll see exactly what happens there. But uh, it's Newcastle versus South Fayette, and then you have, like I said, uh, Greater Johnston Johnstown versus Sharon for the uh, finals, or wow, excuse me, for the other side of the bracket. So, and then the winner goes on from there. The winner will face uh, Quaker Valleys in the upper part of the bracket. They have Hickory uh, from uh, Mercer County coming up here uh, on the same night. And then Bishop DeVitt takes on Huntington on uh, tomorrow night, too. And the winners of those two games will face the same week that the potential cast Newcastle's Sharon game is. So. Uh, some some interesting ball games. So yes, uh, Quaker Valley and Newcastle, if they continue to win, could face each other for the fourth time this year. Wow! Talk about knowing your opponent, man. You aren't kidding. That'd be a. Uh, it was a great championship really game. game. Yeah, you know, if you're interested in it, if you go to triblive.com, actually, it's trib. Uh, hssn.triplive.com. I'll put it on, on the uh, it's on my Twitter page a lot, and it's also on uh, my Facebook page. I'll put it on our Facebook page. Uh, and if you go through it, you'll see broadcasts, and you click that on that and just go through the uh, the calendar. You can find the games that they're all archived there. So if you ever want to uh, listen, and it was a great ball game, if you want to listen to a great high school game. Uh, the Quaker Valley uh, Newcastle championship game for the WPIL was a fantastic game. A lot of great plays in that game both ways. So if you want to check that out, that's where to do it. And I'll try to make a link maybe on our Facebook page for that too. Uh, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Coach Blundo and his uh, – Yeah, they're on a roll now. Yeah, you know, Coach Blundo's an interesting guy. He's uh, been – to, I think this is the seventh year or eighth year being the coach of uh, Newcastle. Uh, they won state titles, and uh, he's never not played for in the final four of the WPIL. And uh, he's won six WPIL championships. Holy in his mackerel. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. So, yeah, they have a phenomenal program over there. I'm very blessed to have that opportunity. And this is a them. down year for them, I heard. Yes, it was. Yes, it is. Yeah, well, I'm waiting to see what next year's down year looks like. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you wow. know what? He even says it. He goes, we don't have the same talent level that we had in the past. And they have had 
unbelievable talent level in the past. Uh, but what you do have in this team is maybe the best desire to win and yeah, potentially, win. yeah, and a closeness. You probably just have a group that you really wanted to improve all year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A group that wanted to work together all year long and achieve goals, and they have done that. And, uh, you know, they're not done yet. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday night. No, and we'll go from there. But uh, shout out to the Red Hurricanes from Newcastle. And hopefully their their season will continue. And you can – and we'll talk more about that on him. Hopefully we'll get um, my partner James Dotson yeah. on. He can give you more information. And we can talk more about how the WPIL and the uh, state tournaments work because he knows all about that. And he's covered them for a while now. So – uh, I'm kind of. I'd like to hear know, what he has to say about the. Just along uh, for the why. I'd like to that? hear what he has to say about the uh, Pitt head basketball coach opening. That's a. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's boy, that's that's a mess over there. Yes, it is. It, it will be interesting to see. I tell you the name they should hire. They probably won't. It's Thad Mana. I'm not sure that's not true. I think Thad will definitely be part of the Georgia and Ole Miss. Um. Well, maybe he is headed there. I haven't heard. I just heard rumors that but he's going to be his name, that he wants to get back in the coaching him. and, you know, his opportunities is, is in front of him. So, yeah, I expect Thad Mata to be back on the sideline next year somewhere. Yeah, I think um, give him that job and uh, he knows the area. Uh, he knows the conference, so to speak. Uh, he's recruited against most of those teams for a while. Um so I think he could win there, but if I'm a Pitt fan, I would, I'd want somebody who knows the Pitt program, no outsider, somebody that knows the Pitt program. Well, you know what? There's a lot of talent in Pennsylvania for yes, college, college basketball, you know, recruiting. So you just got to, you have to be, uh, you know, a person who wants to get the job done and, and get into the houses and sell your program to these kids. And it, it can happen and it will yeah. happen. Pitt's going to jump back. They had no choice to make the change. Things were, didn't work oh, out. Oh, they hope with stallings. So they move on. And, yep. and that's just the way it works. It's too big of a, a moneymaker. And now that they are, you know, part of the ACC, you can see that one writing on the wall. They couldn't, you know, continue down this path without uh, success. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a rough year for Pitt. It was ugly for them. All right, Anthony, let's uh, wrap this one up and we will be back hopefully very soon. Hopefully uh, sometime, maybe this weekend or uh, next week, early next week. We're going to try to get back to our weekly schedule here. I want to thank everybody for coming back and listening to us. I do have some podcasts that I'm going to do solo coming your way. And uh, Anthony, if you want, I thinking very heavily about doing a NFL draft preview. Yeah, where necessarily we're going to not do a mock draft, but list maybe five players from each position who are the top five in our opinions and uh, see how they see where they land in the draft. I don't want to do mock drafts because I think that's that's kind of silly boring. uh, because you just don't know what a team's going to do. But we could talk about who the top five quarterbacks are, top five running backs, Mm -hmm. top five defensive backs, that type of thing. And uh, give it give some people out there who may not know all the players some idea of who they are. So that's something I've been kicking around. I wanted to talk I, to you about it. So I, I throw you on air and I agree throw you with on that. the bus there, but let's, let's have some fun and do that. I agree with that. Yeah. That'd be fun to do. We're going to try to get that here, of course, before the draft, which is the end of April. So we'll definitely uh, get that done. Uh, 
Anthony, uh, one last thought before we get going. And once again, you got to give credits to the Indians putting the band back together, even if it's just for spring training, bringing hey, Davis and to, Napoli back. It was fun to see Nap in a couple games. Uh, 16 days. Uh, today is almost over. 16 days until they count for real. Um, and hopefully it was for, it's going to be a really fun year. This is what they call the dog days of spring training now. Man, you weren't kidding. You weren't (laughs) kidding. This is when they just can't wait for the season to begin. But uh, you have to wait it out the the month of March. All right. For Anthony and Canfield, I'm Tim and Borman. Wishing you all a pleasant evening or day whenever you may download and listen to this. And don't forget to check us out on the internet at RadioMVP.com on Facebook slash Radio MVP pod and follow us on Twitter at The Real Radio MVP. I'm Tim Continental on so, all social medias and Anthony can be found on Instagram at mm-hmm. ACAP17. Yep. Anything else, Anthony? No, that's it. Go to the tribe. All right. One, one more thought. If you can give us some ratings, ratings on iTunes, highly appreciative as we try to grow Radio MVP. So for Anthony and Campfield, I'm Tim and Borman. Have a great night, everyone.